Good morning, everyone. Uh, today, 13th of April, uh, you know, early in the morning, early uh, Tuesday morning, feels like a Monday because, uh, you know, got a little got a little punished here. So, uh, you know, Academy life kind of kind of hitting a bit hard right now, but uh, I'm joined by my good friend Jackson. And we're here for another edition of the Hardware Podcast, uh, heading into the final week of the regular season. Yeah, last episode before Selection Sunday, uh, these awards are coming down to the wire. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. Let's go. Let's talk about them. So, being that there's one more week in the regular season, and something I just found out earlier uh, is that Walter Payton and Buck Buchanan, I would assume select after the playoffs or I think on the eve of the national well the week yep. of the national championship it's like game. the the dinner like that's right before the championship game if I remember right yeah so we'll have to see I think uh at least for the Walter Payton I think a prerequisite might have to be playing on a playoff team so I mean I think that's something to keep in mind when we have our candidates here and Jax I just want to start off who's in your top three or four for the Walter Payton as a regular season winds down yeah so i've got um i've actually got a new number one uh after this week cameron ward uh quarterback from incarnate word um in five games played 22 touchdowns four interceptions just short of 2,000 yards a 60.4 percent completion percentage a couple rushing touchdowns um there was a stat that I kind of looked at that I thought was interesting. Uh, you take the total number of touchdowns to so include rushing, subtract it by interceptions, and then uh, our subtract interceptions, and then divide that number by the number of games played. Okay, and kind of shows like a little production stat, right? So of everyone that's kind of on our radar, um, there was only one that was above 2.5 and Cameron Ward is at four. Like he's like head and shoulders above everyone else, at least in that stat. So I thought that was kind of interesting and just shows how productive Cameron's been this year. And um, I don't, is Cameron, or is it Cardinal Ward? I don't believe they're a playoff team right now, but um, uh, right. They're not. No. So they lost their second game to Northwestern State, one in five Northwestern State. So the committee is probably going to frown right. upon that. Uh, yeah, and they did lose to Nichols. Sure. So that might be, that might be, um, that might be a little difficult to overcome. But uh, at least for his production in the regular season, Cameron's been, been killing it. Okay. Yeah. So I like, I like Cameron Ward. I have him late. I have him a little bit lower in my rankings. I think four. I have an all Southland four because, or sorry, not all South. I have three Southland players out of four. I think my number one guy, I, I got to think that uh, Eric Barrier is my number one guy now out of Eastern Washington with 18 touchdowns and 2,193 yards and six interceptions. But Eastern Washington looks like a playoff team now. So there's that working for him, as well as Eric Schmid, my number two guy, had a bit of a lackluster game. Uh, Sam Houston State didn't they didn't overwhelm McNeese State like we like we knew maybe uh, maybe defenses in the Southland are starting to figure them out especially after last week against Northwestern State and then this week against McNeese where he only had he went 12 to 24 202 yards one touchdown two picks had 92 rushing yards and a 64 yard run but it wasn't too impressive and his numbers lag behind Barrier who has a has a game up on him but 
I mean, still, if you do per game statistics, Schmid's at, you know, I think about doing some quick math, 320 yards a game-ish. Barrier is at, what's 2193 divided by six? I'd probably say 350 yeah, uh, don't don't quote my math there, but I just think Barrier has a leg up, especially after the past couple of weeks where like Sam Houston's not been blowing out teams. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like Schmidt a lot, and I think he's been good during this regular season. It's just, and he does have four rushing touchdowns, which really helps a lot. But when you see the stat, thirteen touchdowns, seven interceptions, that's just like you want at least double the number of throwing touchdowns than interceptions. Um, to kind of feel like that MVP feel. Um, I've got Barrier as my number two, actually. I think he's been, you know, really good, obviously, with 18 touchdowns and six interceptions. So that's a that's a three-to-one ratio. So we can work with that, um, even though he does have a game up, like you said, on Schmidt. I've got Schmidt as my number three. I've got an interesting kind of new guy at number four that we talked about once then kind of went off the radar. And I think if he has a fantastic game Saturday, he's a fan favorite, a uh, Hunter Lupka, the fullback from North Dakota state um, and 49 rushing attempts. He's got 312 yards, five rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. I mean, the way I don't, I don't think you were watching the, the game versus North Dakota, but he was like, you could tell like how much fanfare there was for Hunter. And uh, I think if he has a fantastic game on Saturday that uh, against South Dakota State, then he, he we could see him on like the watch list, at least the real one. Yeah. And the one thing I'd say against uh, Luke co-working against him is the amount of games he's played. He's only right, played three right. games. Uh, but again, like there's a playoff run, so he'll have multiple opportunities, assuming North Dakota State gets a seed and gets to host a second round game um you know he can they, stay they, healthy he's dangerous and, and stays healthy too as well i mean you can't deny the touchdowns and everything and everyone just loves a good fullback honestly um you know five touchdowns it kind of reminds me of like john coon you know in the green and yeah. yellow too what's um, not to love about the yeah exactly but yeah no i can if there is a running back or a fullback on the radar <laughs> i think it would be lupka um going on to my number um two and three i didn't mention schmidt was was number two and um i think number three actually ahead of cameron ward is cole kelly um so cole kelly is a guy that's been under our radar as southeastern louisiana has had um you know a couple losses along the way to sam houston state they lost to i believe incarnate ward as well so they have one more game and they need a couple more things to happen um, they have one more game against Southern Illinois. They need a couple teams to lose. I think Richmond along the way, as well as Mercer. I think Mercer is like the last team in um, to make it into the playoffs. But Cole Kelly has 2,244 yards in six games, 16 touchdowns. And he's got, a, he's got two receiving touchdowns on the year, actually, which is probably the most interesting stat. Um, and four rushing touchdowns. So a guy that scored three different ways as a quarterback. He's got 22 touchdowns in six games. And southeastern Louisiana, uh, they're on the edge of the playoff of, a, of the playoffs. But um, if they do make it in, I would say Cole Kelly might even oh, like leap Schmidt. Honestly, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on for sure because they've had a good season. Um, and if Cole Kelly can can produce throughout the, I mean, the end, yeah, he he can be up there for sure. 
the real watch list. I have one question about the Walter Payton one of the Omar. If Otis Weya has a fantastic game Saturday, you think he can jump back in? Because they're playing a bad Youngstown State team. And he's had a touchdown in every game he's played, seven touchdowns in five games. You think he could hop back in there? Uh, I think so, being that – but I think his chances are still slim, uh, being that North Dakota, um, you know, they will be a playoff team. But, you know, he he just doesn't get as much of a workload. And uh, if he doesn't well, – They've had some time playoffs, off, so maybe they figured out, oh, we should give this guy the ball. <laughs> I'd say maybe, but I think what they're focusing on, since Weya will be, uh, well, he is a freshman, um, I think. Yeah, I think he's a freshman or a sophomore. I'll have to check. Let me check that really quick. Since he is young, they might be checking his workload for future seasons. So I'm not yeah, sure that's if that's um, something that'll change. He's a redshirt sophomore. So oh, okay. I think, but I think he would be back in the race too, but it will be hard to leave Barrier Schmidt, Barrier and Schmidt at least, since they're likely going to be in the playoffs as well right that is difficult but hey something to think about at least um i'll go ahead and go over a couple guys for the buck buchanan award uh i've got my first so we can talk about him cody campbell i don't think we've mentioned him before but his uh fantastic game how many tackles did you say he got this past weekend i forgot to write it down yeah so this past weekend against davidson the number one team and playoff front run in the pioneer football league he had 25 tackles against that option offense. I love to talk that about. You know, That's what I thought. I was like, was it wasn't really 25. <laughs> I yeah. just insane productivity in six games played. He's at 89 tackles, uh, which is head and shoulders above everyone else as far as tackles a game at 14. He's also got seven TFLs, which is not the highest in that, and one forced fumble. But I mean, just the your main objectives should be tackling right and tfls and forced fumbles are an added bonus and interceptions but um but i mean 14 almost 15 tackles a game is just insane yeah and like my thing was so my front runner's been nicario harper out of jacksonville state who has had a 79 tackles i'm putting into the games played but kobe campbell wasn't even on my radar until this past weekend when i actually right. saw um and i think his stats are if given the amount of games played in Presbyterian is not a playoff team at the moment. Well, they probably they won't be, I, they won't be a playoff team, frankly. I think they're three and three. Um, his stats are the most impressive. And if you look at other contending teams and their best defenders, like North Dakota state VMI, Connor Riddle and stone Snyder out of VMI, their stats dwarf in comparison in terms of tackles to, uh, to Colby Campbell. I mean, Smith or Snyder and Riddle have 55 and 52 respectively compared to Campbell's 89 in six games played as well. And then Nicario Harper, who is my number two, a safety and out of Jackson, Jacksonville state, he's got 79 tackles in 11 games. Um, maybe Harper makes more tackles during their playoff run, but I think Campbell at the moment, especially the 25 tackle game, like that's, that's insane. And that's um, a headliner that you can say that is a headliner. This is the one that made 25 tackles in a game. Oh, that's winning this. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to go, you mentioned Connor Riddle. That's actually my number two guy. Um, I mean, in six games played 51 tackles. So not nearly as much as Campbell, but 10 TFL and an interception. And he's still at eight and a half tackles a game. So he's still being productive. 
And then he was my number one last week. He's my number three this week. Jack McDonald, the linebacker out of Austin P nine games played 70 tackles. Uh, so three more games and still like 19 less tackles, eight and a half TFLs and an interception. Yeah. I like those guys for sure. I think the knock on, um, your Austin P guy is he, um, He's not going to be in the playoffs, honestly. Right, right. Um, so that's going to be difficult. Though. I don't know. Do you, do you have his stats um, against Cincinnati or Pitt? Because those were like the two F- FBS schools they played against. I wonder how impressive he was against those guys. I do not, but I can pull them up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. while you pull those up, um, yeah, I'll just talk a little bit more about, about Harper as well. So I did have Riddle. I have Riddle and slash Snyder as my, as my third guy. But Harper, it's kind of like – I think it comes down to this. It's like – What's the, I feel like, what's the better story? It's, uh, do you have the second defensive back with Harper being a safety winning it ever and first since 2003? Or do you have a guy from really an upstart program in Presbyterian who's never made the playoffs, just left the Big South to play non scholarship football in the Pioneer League? And Campbell is just taking advantage of this short season to really just accumulate tackles. It's like, it's like, what's the better story for uh, these award voters, I think, when it comes down to Harper versus Campbell, in my eyes. Right. For sure. I've got – so I do have those stats right now. Uh, between at Pittsburgh and at Cincinnati, not that great. Six solo and one TFL. Now, he has shined in the spring season, but at least versus FBS opponents, he has not done very well. Yeah, and it's not like those games were close, too. So, I, mean, I, I was just curious. I mean, maybe he was, like, yeah. a bright spot in those games. Um, he, he has uh, he has right now – he has three games where he has 10-plus tackles. So, and one game with, like, three-and-a-half TFLs. So, but he hasn't had a TFL in a couple of games, actually, since March 21st. So, for what it's worth. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. And even then, for, um, I think – uh connor riddle slash uh stone snyder versus um you know colby campbell it's like again i think it comes down to stories as well as much as i guess it should be a player award i I think it'll come down to that and vmi of course has caught a lot of everyone's attention too especially if they beat citadel and end up winning the the bid for sure um then I think that maybe Riddle gets, you know, it's a front runner compared to Campbell. I think maybe they'll they'll take that playoff bias um, over Campbell. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's something to think about. I mean, this is gonna we're gonna see how this shapes throughout the playoffs because I mean we could forget about some of these guys by the time that the championship rolls around in May. Honestly, because we're a month out, like a month's a long time to remember someone. Oh, he hasn't played since then. And no one besides Campbell has really been something that is, I don't, I don't know, I feel like it's that memorable throughout the playoffs uh, for not having played there. So we'll see how that, that shapes it for sure. Yeah, I did just find one more guy. I was curious about Mercer because I know Mercer's in the thick of the SoCon race. And as we'll talk in bracketology later on, um, they look to be an at-large even, um, interestingly enough. But I think a guy, so a couple, they have a couple guys too that might even sneak into the race too if they make a playoff run. They got Lance Wise, a guy that has 78 tackles and four TFLs and seven pass breakups. And this guy, Lance Wise, is a safety, sophomore safety. So, I mean, this might be the year of the D-back. Um, and Isaac Dowling as well. He's got six and a half sacks and six more TFLs. So 12 and a half TFLs, 72 tackles for the Bears. 
and he's a linebacker, an undersized linebacker, 5'10", 210. Shame on me for forgetting about the Mercer Bears, too, and their, um, you know, groundbreaking season. So, really, I think if you look at all of our guys, kind of like a, a wide variety of selections and stories. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive the depth of this race, it seems like. And, uh, yeah, shame on both of us for forgetting about Mercer and their their possible playoff season. That, that's a good lead-in to our bracketology part. Um, so we've only got five seeds clinched right now. Um, Big Sky, Weber State, Big South, Monmouth, uh, Northeast Conference, Sacred Heart, the Ohio Valley Conference, Jacksonville State, and the Southland Conference, Sam Houston State. Everything else is up for grabs, technically. I mean, you can pencil in NDSU and some of the ones like that. But for right now, everything else is still in the open. But um, uh, who are you like that uh, maybe maybe people are leaving out? So um, I think the at-large bids, too, are pretty much settled, or a couple at least. Like Eastern Washington, I don't think they have any more games. Um, you also have they're, – they're, they're solid. Okay, so yeah, I think they're fully in because they just had that one loss, and it's total. It's like one of those. It's totally forgivable loss too. With the, if you remember the field goal, the missed field goal that they called that the referee called good because he was That's adjusting right. his mask. That's right. So, totally forgivable loss, even though that that was a one touchdown loss. The, they didn't lose a game on that field goal, but still, you can't <laughs> underestimate the emotional effect. Um, Delaware and UND, and then I think yeah. Settled in. We'll see about SDSU. They do play on the road versus NDSU, which is always a big game. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, I, I've got I've got an intriguing question for you. Is okay, let's hear it. In the toughest conference, is that good enough? Because that that's that's Bobby Petrino, the head. Yeah, coach. I was going to talk about Missouri State. See, yeah, this this let's is talk a little Missouri State. See, this is the the debate that in the Bible. That, that God, you know, the gospel mentions will pit brother against brother and, you know. Mercer versus Missouri State. Mercer versus Missouri State. Um, well, there might not be a need for this discussion if VMI loses to the Citadel because you have the Military Classic of the South, the Army-Navy game of uh, the South. I almost said the Confederacy, but I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> ruffle any feathers. <laughs> but, you know, the Army-Navy, the Military Classic of the South, a very, a very great rivalry. And um, you have Mercer playing Sanford. So first off, Mercer has to take care of business. So Missouri State will be, you know, rooting. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be rooting against Mercer. But let's let's compare the resumes here because Mercer actually beat a couple of ranked teams. I think they've beaten three ranked teams at the time of their ranking. So they beat Chattanooga, who opted out. I think the writing was on the wall that game as Chattanooga benched a bunch of their players. So they beat Chattanooga. They beat, um, I think Wofford was ranked at the time that they put, actually no, Wofford I don't think was ranked. So they beat Wofford as well. Um, let's see, in conferences, they beat, they did lose to VMI by 27. So that could be something that the committee looks at. And East Tennessee State, that's another team that they beat, another team that was ranked at the time with East Tennessee State beating VMI. So you have two quality wins for Mercer. Uh, the fall season might trip them up because in the fall, they did play Abilene Christian, Jacksonville State, and Army. Um, they didn't – I mean, they lost to Jacksonville State, a playoff team. They lost to a, a, Abilene Christian, who went – who, I mean, they, they, weren't, they weren't great in the fall. You know, I can't even remember the record. I think they were barely above 500. And they beat um, 
and I mean, they lost to Army 49-3, so it's not like that game was close and they were impressive against a great Army team. So that does trip them up. You look at Missouri State, Missouri State's resume, they also went 0-3 in the, in the fall. But after, so they beat Western Illinois, bad team. Uh, they did beat Northern Iowa, great win. They beat Southern Illinois, who beat North Dakota State, great win. But the one thing that, that uh, people point to is like, will the committee um, select three at-larges from the NVFC? So I want to hear your thoughts. Like who has a better resume in your eyes? And I guess uh, one more thing, Effa, for uh, the fall season, they lost to Central Arkansas twice and they lost to Oklahoma by 48. So really not much just to distinguish in the fall between the teams. The Oklahoma one is forgivable for sure because everyone except Army gets blown out by Oklahoma. Um, uh, man, with the NVFC question, like, I mean, is it's a question of are they going to have so many at larges? But I don't see why they wouldn't because that's the it's what an at large is supposed to be. It's also it seems to be ESPN's favorite conference with uh, with the NVFC, and it's hard to blame them with all the talent and the depth of the conference that's there. So we'll see with that. Um, I would. I would, I would say that I'm leaning towards yes, that they would, or they wouldn't hesitate at least. And, and I mean, that's just something that we'll have to see. That's like the, the headlining question for sure. I mean, um, for me, it's just, it's just hard to distinguish both teams, but I, I think that they give the edge to Mercer in terms of total wins because they, they did go, I mean, if they win this Saturday, they'd go six and two in the so in the SoCon six conference wins. Uh, they did lose to VMI, but Chattanooga and East Tennessee State, strong wins. Uh, UNI, not so much. You can point to UNI being three and four. They did be on South Dakota, one and three, and so on and so forth, Youngstown State. And they haven't really had a blowout win, you know. And same thing with Mercer, too. And it's just something we'll have to see. This is this is a great headline um, heading to the final weekend in two teams. Just shows a parody this spring season as Bobby Petrino, Missouri State, has not made the playoffs since 1990. Mercer never has. They resurrected their program in 2013. So, really, I mean, an interesting debate. Um, it either gets in, it's historical for either school. But um, I think Missouri State would kind of be more fun to talk about with Petrino being over there, um, at least for, like, the bigger networks and, like, the casual fan. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Mercer being in would be, would be awesome for sure. Can you yes. make a splash if they do get in, or is this just like a in and out thing? Um, let's see. I'd say I'd say um, I think they'd be out honestly. I guess Mercer being the last team in, they might they might draw one of the seeds. Again, I don't know how what the committee thinks. They might draw one of the seeds. Um, uh, according to Hero Sports, um, and if it was their bracket, no, like if they were the committee and they were making the bracket today, it'd be um, Jacksonville State versus Mercer, and I don't think that would be very, very kind to Mercer. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, they did, and they did play in the fall. It was a close game, so maybe what we saw with the rematch in the NEC title, how Sacred Heart beat Duquesne. I mean, Sacred Heart did beat Duquesne in the rematch, so you you never know. Um, Jacksonville State, Missouri State. I, I feel like those. I feel like Mercer, and Missouri State are interchangeable in terms of team level. So we'll just have to see. This is this is exciting, really. 
Um, a question I have too, in terms of bracketology is James Madison Richmond. So the CAA um, went, went ahead and rescheduled James Madison Richmond to undefeated teams in the CAA with James Madison at 2-0 in the conference and Richmond at 3-0. Do you see either team getting left out if um, if they are whoever loses, do you see the losing team getting left out? Um, if James Madison loses, they're much more likely to make it than if Richmond loses. I'll put it like that way. Um, James Madison, we've talked about that before with like kind of the bias They've had like a, a good year, but when you kind of deep dive into the opponents and level of play, it's not always the best. So um, it'd be easier for me to just say, I, I hope James Madison wins this thing and we just have like one clear cut, like instead of two iffy um, with a four in our Richmond and a four and one um, James Madison, but we'll see. But, you know, with the two paycheck games, it's going to be difficult. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We haven't heard from the committee or anything like that. It's not like the FBS where we have every Tuesday night, we have a show on ESPN dedicated to revealing these rankings and the, the process behind them. We're really kind of like, we really have no idea. So, you know what they're thinking right now. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, again, that's something I don't know. I, I mean, I would like to think that the committee would say no to James Madison, um, you know, with the two paycheck games. But, I mean, a win, this is pretty much a win you're in thing, maybe even, like, if they lose. Because Richmond has three wins against one-win teams. Um, James Madison has Moorhead State, has a win over Moorhead State, a less than decisive win against Robert Morris, who's struggling in the Big South, and then two one-win teams. But I, I don't I think, think James Madison should get a seed, like, honestly. yeah. Yeah, I think James Madison will win and get a seed, but we'll see. I'd, I'd like to be proven wrong on that. That's yeah. not one of my games to watch. That's going to be two Eastern on Flow Sports. What are a couple of games that you, you're going to be watching this Saturday? Yeah, so this Saturday, a lot of interesting games. I'm going to focus on, like, non-playoff games and more traditional rivalries. So first off, my number one game to watch, uh, one of the three nationally televised games, the Patriot League Championship between Holy Cross and Bucknell. Uh I'm a bit, I'm a bit sad. The game isn't played at Fit and Field, a place I went as a kid, and I won't get to see the CBS college football and CBS music um, played as a lead, as a you know zoom into Fit and Field. But so so be it. Uh, that'll be. You that's say a, that, I, but you haven't watched one SEC game on CBS. So. I watch Army Navy and CBS Sports Network games uh, enough, um, you know, to Fair. to love that theme song. But that that Fair. so. I'm leaning, and it's not because of the bias. I'm leaning towards Holy Cross as a favorite in that game, even though they, they've only played twice. You look at common opponents. Holy Cross beat Fordham at home 34-24. to Bucknell lost to Fordham by two touchdowns in a game that I – I mean, I don't think it looked that close towards the end um, as Fordham scored 21 unanswered against Bucknell. Uh, Fordham hosted uh, – Bucknell hosted Fordham and lost. Holy Cross hosted Fordham and won. And you just look at the defense for Holy Cross – uh, I mean, at least against Lehigh, who had the worst offense probably in college, in college football this spring. But I just think it's going to be hard for Bucknell to put points on the board and I, I think even make stops against Holy Cross if uh, they do make the change at quarterback from Connor Deegan-Hart to uh, their freshman. I think it's um, Connor Sluka. Um, shoot, I got to look up his name. But they Holy Cross made a quarterback change that sparked him, and I think that should help um, against the Bison on CBS Sports Network at two. 
Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an awesome game to watch. And that's great that it's on, like, national TV instead of just uh, on some obscure network or ESPN+. Plus. Um, I'm going to go with my other two games. Uh, we already kind of talked about Richmond, James, and Madison. I'm going to go with a must-win game if uh, if Cameron Warren has any chance to win this thing. Sam Houston State at Incarnate Word. On paper, doesn't look pretty. Sam Houston State 5-0 and Incarnate Word 3-2. and Sam Houston State's first in the South one. Incarnate Word is third. It's Newton Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. It's going to be have to be a game where Incarnate Word wins, and Incarnate Word wins because of Cameron Ward. If they're gonna, if he's gonna stay in the race, I have him as my number one. So that kind of tells you my prediction for that game. Um, and I, I'm gonna go ahead and go with my last game to watch. Just the classic San Diego State at North Dakota State got postponed. It's been College Game Day before, gotten a lot of attention. 3:30 Eastern Time on ESPN Plus. I think that's gonna be a fun one to watch. Hopefully the Jackrabbits can pull it off because I don't want to see the Bison go win it all again. <laughs> yeah those are great games um like for sure especially uh deciding for the playoff race even though i do think incarnate word would be out even if they beat sam houston but the, they'll be out but it's like it's on i almost said heisman night on walter payton award night it's like oh man this guy beat the front runner eric schmidt when they were five and oh right before the playoffs you know it'd be it'd be a headliner like we talked about kind of on the buck Buchanan side yeah, for sure. Um, I think so. I'm going to mention these two games in conjunction with one another. So you have two of the uh, most well-known HBCU classics. You got the Matt, you got the Bayou Classic um, at 2.30 on NBC Sports Network, probably the last time ever broadcasted by the NBC family of networks as uh, NBC is shutting down NBC Sports Network. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, because of Peacock. So um that and are we gonna see it on peacock peacock from now on or i don't think so actually that's what that's what we talked that's what jackson i talked or marshall and i talked about uh last night which you'll see later on this week but i think um you might but you might not maybe the bayou classic looks also this is a game that used to be broadcasted on um nbc you know itself from 91 to 2014 uh yeah the the big nbc big nbc and a game played at the Superdome that people consider the Super Bowl of HBCU classics. Right now, Grambling's struggling. They're at 0-3. Southern's at, Southern's at 3-1. and uh, Southern can help their cause in the SWAC West race with a win, even though they lost to Pine Bluff. But um, really, you know, just one of the most well-known rivalries in college football itself and, in, of course, in HBCU ball. And to round out the night, the regular season, you have the Magic City Classic at the Gray Old Lady in Birmingham, Legion Field, Alabama State, Alabama A&M, and everything except for for, for territorial claims in um, in Colonial Africa is up for grabs um, because with a win, Alabama State can help their cause in division in the SWAC East after Alabama A&M beat Jackson State. They both have a common win against Jackson State, but this would be the tiebreaker as Alabama State, if they win, that's this is Alabama State's final game, excuse me, and then Alabama A&M still has a makeup game against Mississippi Valley, who's 0-3. Um, so, again, huge, huge games in the SWAC and, you know, two of the most well-known HBCU classics and rivalries in the country. If you, I'm going to go on a hot take. I think the Magic City Classic is the best rivalry in Alabama. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. 
you're gonna have a lot of people upset with that but <laughs> yeah I mean, that's gonna be awesome to watch and not maybe not quite as uh as deep as of a slate as far as like important games to the playoff race but definitely for rivalries and between that and the playoffs like we we definitely have a, a deep slate so that's gonna be awesome our last like full Saturday of college football until like August. So that's kind of sad, but, um, but we'll see. So, yeah, man, I'm excited for this. I'm, I've, I've said everything I need to have. And you have anything else left? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I mentioned the network, but Alabama state Alabama A&M is on ESPNU at seven 30. So prime time, maybe, uh, you know, the nice. great team of the great team of Jay Walker. And I forget who is play by play woman is, but she is a great bot broadcaster. Look up her name really quick. Um, But yes, and then I think also too, you mentioned playoff implications. So you got the military classic. Tiffany Green is the play-by-play play-by-play woman oh, okay. for, um, for ESPN's HBCU coverage. She's done a terrific job. Nice. Um, but also, yeah, so uh, important games for playoff implications. You got the military classic of the South on ESPN Plus. Citadel VMI, VMI wins. They're they're in. And then you got Mercer Sanford, and I think Mercer. I don't even know if you can call it upset alert, but that Sanford team is very dangerous on defense, on offense. I mean, um, and Mercer needs a win to strengthen their at-large causes. If they lose, then that opens the door for Missouri State. But um, if they win and VMI loses, then the SoCon is Mercer's uh, due to I think actually no the SoCon. Would it be Mercer's? I think, actually, I think it would still be VMI's, actually. It's really confusing, but huge playoff implications there. And Mercer versus Sanford is 1 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. But that's that's about all I have to say, just adding that in. Yeah, I'm good, too. So enjoy some good, uh, some good college football this weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and then it'll be playoff time. Yeah, then it'll be playoffs and we don't the bracketology and we'll just be looking at, I guess, players in the playoffs and seeing their resumes. Uh, But until next time, uh, peace, love, and soul, everyone.